we went into the season with hope, with optimism, and feeling good about the future of Boston College football. And in just one game, all of that has come crashing down. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. All right, folks. uh, This is not the type of episode that we were expecting as we had quite the weekend. Uh, BC opened up their season on Saturday and looked bad as they fell to NIU 27-24 in overtime. We have Mitch on here to talk about it. Mitch, how are we hanging in? Uh, I guess about as good as can be expected, given the context. Uh, you know, again, again, we got bit by another week one terrible game where we both predicted BC to win comfortably, and they did the exact opposite. <laughs> so, yeah, what's the... Today, we're going to talk about three things. We actually, we're going to break this episode up into two parts. We're going to do one today. We're going to do one tomorrow. If you're looking about talk about the quarterback, that's coming up tomorrow because we're going to get into the game piece today. We have a whole episode about Thomas Castellanos versus Emmett Moorhead and what's going on there just for tomorrow. All right. I'll, so, I'll say I've got a, I've got a Deion Sanders sermon ready for tomorrow. So make sure you tune in for that. Ooh, I can't wait for that one. So let's just dive into what happened on Saturday. You had a team that had all summer long, 10 months to get ready after a dismal 2022 season. They looked last year like a team that just needed a reboot. Halfley goes out. He fires his offensive coordinator. His defensive coordinator ends up in the NFL. He hires 45 other coordinators or whatever he hired, right? He goes out, grabs 10 transfers. You're feeling good coming out of camp. You talk to the players. They're feeling energized. And they came out flatter than Coke that you leave on your, you know, deck for three weeks. They looked, they didn't look interested at all. And so NIU, to their credit, punched them in the mouth early with a touchdown. BC on offense seemed to not have any clue what was going on. They seemed to forget that the season has started. They looked uh, disinterested. They looked, uh, they were a mess. You know, we had quarterbacks going in and out as Emmett Moorhead had happy feet, halfly yanked him after two series. Castellanos comes in. Let's talk about this first half, Mitch. It was a disaster. I mean, seven, nothing. I mean, I, I think the biggest to quote disaster is really, BC's offense because if you look at the defense allowing seven points in the first half is not bad especially if you think about that drive um it came down to that one third down conversion where it was third and two and northern Illinois sends out their jumbo goal line package and they hit them with a deep play action hard play action off which is like that's bad but you can kind of not forgive it but you understand why that happens and then they're in the red zone they run the ball they get some good plays and they get in the end zone so the first half, I'm like, okay, the defense is playing well. They're getting a lot of push into the backfield. They're stymieing the. They're doing a decent job of stymieing the run. Like when we look at the numbers and looking at his performance, like r- aside from that one throw 
on the on the hard play action and the one play where he was almost sacked and just flicked it forward and the guy had a huge gain Rocky Lombardi was not very good he had like their other beast like the two BC quarterbacks he had a sub 50 percent completion if you adjust it for drops it actually just goes up to 50 exactly um he missed a lot of wide open throws um but the thing is, the thing, I think the, the biggest difference, and this is what I think the game came down to, is that NIU wanted to rely on the run game. And for some reason, BC didn't, even though they were pretty successful doing so. You know, yeah, I, I want to talk about I want to talk about that. Yeah, that was something that I, and I once it, it was like 21-7, you know, you kind of have to throw to win. But in the first half, I don't know why they kept going back to the to throwing the ball. And obviously some of it was drops. Um, you had two really bad drops by uh, George Takis and Jaden Williams that killed drives. But BC ran the ball really well. I mean, so there's this website called Game on Paper, which does a really good job of, of compiling advanced statistics. So BC's EPA per rush, so expected points added per rush, was 0. 0.021, which that would have been in the 81st percentile of a, any team's performance in FBS versus FPS games from 2022. So that was really good. Uh, their success rate for when rushing the ball. So essentially, do you generate positive EPA? Are you, you know, if it's, you know, instead of yards per carry, it's like, you know, if you get two yards on third and one, that's much better than, you know, five yards on third and 15. So B6 success rate rushing the ball any down was 56%. So that even though NAU has a de- pretty decent run defense, BC was pretty much getting the looks they wanted running the ball and they were having success. And especially when you compare it to last year, when they couldn't get anything going on the game on the ground, you know, that guard was getting four to six yards of carry. Uh, obviously you have Castellanos on that big run on his first play, but it wasn't just these big highlight, you know, explosive plays. It was pretty consistent. They were getting yards. They were getting push on NIU's defensive line and they would just abandon it to keep throwing the ball. And, I, I just didn't understand that that decision at all because I think with this offensive line that you wanted to showcase them being so much better, you could have relied on them so much more. Um, there's another stat that I really like. So the oh, there's this they have a stat on this website called Game on Paper called offensive line yards. Essentially, how much how much can the offensive line be credited for cr- generating those yards? BC's offensive line yards were 63.5 in this game. I went back and looked at the Rutgers game from last year. It was nine nine offensive line yards so a, a seven times improvement from week and one that was year. just by running the ball if yeah. they continued running they would have been it would have been up exponentially yeah exactly and again i i you know i was, I'd still believe like in general passing the ball is more efficient than running the ball but you go with what's working and that's going to be more efficient um and even in the passing game we saw the offensive line give both quarterbacks tons of time to throw um i think they said that uh, that PFF had it as the quarterbacks being pressured on 10 dropbacks out of 42 total. So less than 25%. Last year it was in the 40%. And if you look at BC's offensive line on the blocking stats, there were only three pressures credited to them. So those other pressures were by the quarterback holding the ball for super long. Um, And obviously the offensive line had some penalties and that's something else we can talk about, but that was just something that I didn't understand, especially in the first half when the game was close and there wasn't really anything going, especially in the passing game, you know, just well, lean on the run game. You've got a decent stable of running backs. The offensive line is getting a good lean on the defense. Just keep going with that. And then that 
will help open up the passing game more. So that was something that was really frustrating for the first half. Yeah. And in a moment, we'll get into the second half of the game um, and talk about when BC kind of turned things around a little bit, but still the errors, the mistakes, they all came back to bite the Eagles in this one and cause, you know, it, it ended up with a loss. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Now, I am a, a fan of Athletic Brewing Company. They have completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. They're full of flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. I love their IPAs. You know, no alcohol, but they are tasty. They taste just like any IPA you would find at your local uh, brewery. They're constantly releasing limited edition experimental styles to add to their variety and no hangovers ever, ever. So first-time customers, go use co- promo code Locked On to get 25- sorry, to get 15% off your first online order. Again, that's code Locked On at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusion, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company fit for all times. All right, this is Locked On BC, AJ Black, here with Mitch. If you guys want to join Eagle Insider, perfect time to do it. We've been diving in. Poor Mitch is going to have to watch this game a second time, I think. I've already started. (laughs) (laughs) Pray for Mitch. That's how you should not be spending your Labor Day. As I said, if you follow me on Eagle Insider, uh, I, I, I drew the lucky straw here this week where I had a wedding the first weekend of college football season. Um, so if I sound kind of funny, it's because I forgot my microphone. So I'm talking into my speaker, my, my microphone on my computer. But we're here. I could not not do this episode tonight. And by the comments and the listeners that we have, it seems like a lot of people want to hear us talk about it. So the second half, we, you know, we're going to save the, the quarterback conversation for later. But Emmett Moorhead comes back out, does nothing. But then... Thomas Castellanos, he figures some stuff out. He starts to make some plays. He starts to do some things. Mitch, give me some of your thoughts on what happened in the second half. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it rests on Castellanos' ability to make plays both with his legs and with his arm. Um, you know, he's high, he's obviously a smaller package player in terms of being listed at 5'10", 190, 195. But he's obviously an incredible athlete. Um you know, even in the first half, he was able to make guys miss and make something out of nothing, which is huge. Um, and then once he finally started setting, settling down, like the first, the interception he threw, in the, and that was in the second half too, that was just god-awful. Um, but he later on, he had those two dimes to... Yards. Sorry? I said he underthrew him by about Yeah, five that was yards. really bad. But he, those dimes to O'Keefe and Jaden Williams to get the touchdown were great. Uh, him sitting in the pocket to throw that touchdown to Lewis Bond was good. Um, so this, and then this is kind of what I saw when I watched him in, and again, it was limited snaps against it when he was at UCF, but you saw the talent jump off the page, but it's just like, this guy needs more reps and you could kind of see like the way, just the way he made decisions as to who, where, where he was throwing and who he was throwing to in the first half, just sailing some passes. The other, the other thing, and Mark Herzlick brought this up a lot in the broadcast is he mentioned that a lot of the receivers seemed to be running sluggishly and later in the game, that he, he attributed that to being tired, which BC had to throw to win. They had to throw run routes downfield. So I get being a little gassed at that point. But early in the game, he was mentioning this. And the, the only thing that makes sense to me as to why that was happening is that the receivers didn't know what routes they were running. They were unsure and therefore not playing as fast as they could. So that's a concerning so. variable to me. And that's just based on the broadcast. 
um, and something that Herzlik noted in. Herzlik has his moments of being good and being bad as a commentator, but there's some things that he picks out and that you can tell like from his playing experience. It's like, okay, this, this is real and this matters. And I thought that was really important. And on the defensive side, it was kind of the same story as we saw last year. They're on the field too much. They, I think they were on the field for 84 total plays, 36 um, minutes. If you, yeah, 80, 80 plays and then a few more with penalties. So, you know, there's, this was something I talked about uh, in a, in a thread on one of the posts later this week is that I think BC ideally wanted to get that number down closer to like 65 because they averaged 70 last year, which last year, obviously on, they were on defense a ton and they were on the field, 10 more plays and it was only one drive of overtime. So I don't think that matters, but yeah, they were on the field so much. NIU was able to, you know, as they kept it going, they were able to get some more success running the ball. Uh, they were able to lean on BC's defensive line a little more. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's the frustrating like the first drive coming out of the half where NIU just went right down the field and yep. scored a touchdown to make it 14 nothing that was pretty annoying um pretty pathetic in terms of effort um you know they come back they get a fumble the fumble and the punt that's good and then NIU gets another touchdown to go up two scores um and that's where the penalties started happening and I think that I think that's partially frustration, partially just, again, being tired from being out there so long. So you had that first one on Elijah Jones, which gave NIU a first down on fourth and six. They scored later. And then uh, later in the game. As a Rocky. Yeah, they had that that series of plays where it was back-to-back um, uh, third downs where they were had the first found as a Rocky, which I, I get you can't touch the quarterback and – you know, you want, and Ezraku has had a few of these before. Um, so maybe they do need to coach him a little harder on kind of tailing off. But I mean, it's, I think that's really hard. Cause like he's a pass rusher. His job is to get the quarterback and he gave him, gave the quarterback the lightest of taps and Rocky Lombardi did the veteran move of flopping and drawing that foul. And then the, the, the penalty on cheek on the next third down was, uh, that was a fair call. Um, but yeah, they, and then, and Merzlik mentioned that too, just, this is how BC plays they're aggressive. They play aggressive man coverage and cheek had some nice plays earlier by being aggressive. So, you know, that's again, something where it's, it's hard to decide how you want to approach that because obviously you, you don't want penalties, but you want your guys to be playing hard, playing aggressively and going after the receiver and going after the ball. Luckily BC was able to get out of that drive uh, by stopping NIU uh, and they got a touchdown the next drive and, you know, kept it going. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the defense, I think uh, it's a lot of the same story as last year. Uh, the the defensive line not being able to get much pressure was frustrating. But then again, I think some of that was there were few opportunities where it wasn't a you know quick pass to the flat or a play action boot or something where it's like you know it's the part of the like true drop back thing where it's there are going to be certain plays that are drop back passes, but there, there's not really going to be an opportunity for the passer to actually make an effect on the quarterback. So that was kind of frustrating to see them not really uh, get as much pressure on Lombardi as we thought. But again, I, 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 the biggest thing that surprised me was just how, how many drops there was the wide receivers had. And, you know, there was obviously times when the quarterbacks missed them pretty badly, but if you look at, this is the PFF, we're going back to PFF stats. So Thomas Castellanos, he actually had all the drops when he was a quarterback and he had six drops and when you take that as a percentage of catchable throws from BC, from Thomas Castellanos, that is 31.6%. Yeah. 
of his catchable throws were dropped. That's crazy. If you and so PFF also has this stat called the adjusted completion percentage, and that essentially takes out drops and throwaways. So essentially, how like how accurate is the quarterback being? So Cassianos's regular completion percentage was forty four point eight percent. His adjusted completion percentage, when you take out drops, take out throwaways, it goes up to sixty seven point nine percent. Wow. So I don't know what the receivers, I don't know what they need to do to get their heads on straight, but Joseph Griffin, Jane Williams, and George Takis need to do something different because that can't happen again. Because that in, honestly, some, of those, in some of those passes too, like the one, I think it was one of the interceptions uh, that bounced off of Takis. Yeah. Like right on the numbers. He had, like, he had that one. There was one earlier where there was second and six and they hit him perfectly on an RPO slant. And he just dropped it. Jane Williams wide open on a, a slant underneath dropped it. I know Lewis bond had a drop at one point, um, but he, I would say, and I know Jane Williams came back with a catch, but bond had, Bond caught four of his eight targets. I know at least one of them was way off the mark. He dropped another one, but he had a pretty solid day. Um, but Jane Williams only caught nine of two targets. I don't know how many of those were catchable um, off the top of my head, but it's well, his one drop was a 33%. So I'm guessing three of his nine targets were uncatchable, which is, again, that's bad. But, you know, and then there, Joseph Griffin was essentially a non factor because he, like the only thing they could really do for him was use him as a penalty drawer uh, late in the game. Other than that, he was essentially completely erased. And I'm wondering if he might not be as healthy as we've been led to believe uh, coming off that off season surgery surgery he had in his knee. Um, So, and I I do want to say this other thing. I, I, I don't, aside from not running the ball, like I did, like the design of the offense, because like I said, you know, they were running the ball pretty well. They used a good uh, variety of, of run concepts and then were receivers open. They just weren't catching the ball. So, right. you know, and obviously there's, there's a good bit of the, the comeback is due to um, Tom's Castellanos just making insane plays after insane plays like the, the scramble on fourth and five, where he scrambled for about 20 seconds, ran backwards about 30 yards. I mean, that, that stuff you can pull on NCAA, the video game on like rookie difficulty, not in a real football game. So, yep. but I mean, it's an, I mean, it's another extremely disappointing way to start the season. Um, you know, now you do your, your thoughts move to Holy Cross next week. And granted, I, I didn't, I thought Holy Cross was getting a little overhyped as a team that could beat BC because I thought some of their wins last year were fluky. You know, they beat Fordham in double overtime. They went on a hail Mary against Buffalo. Um, and then when they came up against South Dakota state, the national champion, they got their butts whooped pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's a really concerning game. And I, I do want to say this about NIU. I do think that they they had a similar issue to BC last year where they had a lot of quarterback injuries like BC, a lot of offensive line injuries. In 2021, they did win the MAC, And I'm doing air quotes. Obviously, this is a podcast, so you can't see them. But they had a negative point differential that season. They had a lot of close wins. So they would have come back to earth in 2022 and probably been about 500, if not for the quarterback injuries. So that was kind of hard to predict how they would do. But essentially, at the end of the day, they were able to keep drives alive by keeping the ball ahead of the chains, by running the ball consistently very well. And they, especially on offense, they like made some key third down plays, whereas BC didn't. And I'm not really sure I'm ready to like say NIU's defense did 
anything spectacular because I thought BC's off the, the BC offensive players more so than I would say like the coaches and design or whatever gave them a lot of opportunities to make, to, to make their defense look good. I thought the players and when Halfley, when they interviewed him going into the fourth, they essentially said, he essentially, I think he said, we, our players have to execute, which is the nice way of saying our guys need to get their crap together and do what they're supposed to. Because like, and he was right, like there were guys in position to make plays, especially on offense, and they just didn't. The drops, uh, Castellanos making mistakes, Emma Moorhead making mistakes. We'll, we'll dive into the whole quarterback thing tomorrow. But, you know, it, I, this, it hurt, like we talked about, you know, kind of how does NIU win this game? BC's receivers just completely crapping the bed was not something I really considered because it's just like, I can't really, I was like, the likelihood that these receivers just are just dropping wide open passes. It seems very unlikely. And of course it happened, you know, so that's, right. that's how well our prognostication goes. Right. Yep. And uh, we're not going to talk about my picks of the week last week, which are uh, <laughs> solid zero and four. And that's why I don't bet. Now in our final segment, I want to talk about, we talked about the, the inability to execute and some of the issues that were going on that were a lot of it was player related with, with, with penalties and drops. I want to look at the whole system of what went into this game, the whole philosophy and what seemed like a complete lack of, I don't know what I want to call it a lack of preparation, which is what I titled this, but what went into this? Because it just seems like, uh, and we'll talk about the quarterback piece, but it just seemed very hodgepodge. And we'll get into that in just a moment. This is Locked on BC. I'm your host, AJ Black, and I'm joined by Mitch Wolf. If you want to head over to Eagle Insider, we have 50% off right now. If the season keeps going down the wrong tubes, you might get other news where we can talk about. If it goes well, hey, we'll talk about that too and all the positives that go along. You can't lose. Come on over. It's a price of a cup of coffee, and we'll have a lot. It's going to be, a, it's going to be an interesting season. We'll leave it at that. So you had this, this game that just seemed – I want to say that for me, when I watch Boston College football under Jeff Halfley, and I've watched them for a number of years now, this is year four. If you were to ask me, what is the identity of this team? I have no idea. I don't know what they do well. I don't know what he's trying to do. Well, I guess I know what he's trying to do, but he he says he wants to run the ball, but he abandoned that in what, three drives? I look at this and it just seems this game just seems so hodgepodge where you went from power running to a mobile quarterback to quarterbacks going back and forth to all these different issues that are going on. It just seems it seems sloppy. I want to use that as the word for this. It just seems sloppy all, all around and from players to coaching. Yeah. Sloppy directionless. Um, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that was, like I said earlier, like, BC had an opportunity to establish an identity as, as a running team with this game, especially early before things kind of got out of hand. And again, running the ball, give the defense more rest. They're able to execute better. And, you know, that might change the result, but yeah, I mean, at this point, especially with, and again, we'll talk about the quarterback thing tomorrow, but this is really a, a program with no wind in their sails. You know, it's just, I'm not sure what's going on. Um, in terms of guys just like not again, like I, and again, there it's week one. So there are going to be some mistakes. So, you know, the offensive line having a few false starts here and there, um, you know, you're, I feel like, especially with guys, you know, like I like mahogany who's playing first time, first time he's been on a football field playing real meaningful football since 
you could argue uh, 20 like winter of 2021 um so you're gonna have those mistakes and that's like i can i can stomach that during week one but um really just i mean the drops just absolutely because again like there were so many times where guys i'm not even like thinking like contested catches which there were a few of those with joseph griffin and george takis but times where guys were just wide open in, in key situations and they just kept dropping the ball and then BC just kept coming back to the, the passing game. And when you're switching out quarterbacks or introducing a new quarterback, it's like, well, you know, you can make, I feel like you can make the job easier by running the ball. And by the time, you know, again, by the second half, you know, the NIU defense figured out, Hey, BC, like we, and that's kind of when Castellanos kind of went off a little bit, but they were saying, Hey, we don't believe BC can beat us through the air. So, we're going to load up the box and stop the run. And that's where, you know, when BC did try to run a little bit later in the game, they were having a little more struggles because NIU didn't have to respect BC's passing game. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is a really, 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 really frustrating loss. Um, And there's a lot that needs to be fixed before Holy Cross next week. And then, I mean, the getting the ACC play is a very scary thing to think about with how this team formed on Saturday. Right. Yeah, I mean, right now, when you look at the way that team played, the way that just the game flowed. I mean, I mean I, you know, what? I actually I do with kind of before you want to say that. I, like, we, I think we do need to give credit to the team and mostly on Castellanos for storming back and finding a way to tie this game and get it to overtime. That is at least somewhat encouraging. But in terms of what this team wants to do on both sides of the ball and like establishing games to win where they don't need to have comebacks like this. That's where I'm not sure where this is going. I would say I'm glad to see that they fought and came back in a pretty unlikely scenario, but there's still right. much more that needs to get fixed. Right. It, and yeah, when you have Florida state in two weeks and you watch some of these wide receivers that they have and you're going, Oh God, you know, how are they going to do anything? And you get Jared verse bearing down on, you know, a five ten Thomas Castellanos here going, Oh boy. Um, yeah. So tomorrow's episode, Part two, we didn't even touch the quarterback piece. We have a lot to talk about. And my thoughts on where things are with Emmett Moorhead. I don't, I I have a lot of thoughts about this and I want to kind of get it out vocally with, with Mitch. Mitch will be back on what Thomas Castellanos can bring. We're going to talk about him and where the BC future needs to go at quarterback. Do we go with back to Matt Moorhead? Because halfway after the game said he didn't know which is worrisome <laughs> again, like just say it. If you think Thomas Castellanos did enough, I mean, whatever. And then later this week, we're going to have Tom uh, Devitt on from friends of the Heights. We'll have him on. And then we're going to preview Holy cross. So we got a lot going on this week. And I, I had there's so much to go on with this that I didn't even talk about the ACC bringing on Stanford SMU and, and Cal. I didn't, I didn't even put that in like the top three things I wanted to talk about. So that's a whole other thing. Maybe I'll do a bonus episode this week if I have the time. I don't know. I've got a lot. So I mean, it's more teams. It's, you know, it helps the ACC and was it the director's cup standings. Yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe BC can have some fun road trips to warmer locales later in the year or something, but you know, right. I, I don't, I don't know how much they're and And none of them are really taking any money. So, you know, good for them, but I don't really know which Florida state's still complaining about it. So of course they are, uh, you know, the, ma- the really money's fair. supposed to magically just show up for that. I mean, listen, I mean, with the way the ACC kowtows to Notre Dame, who's not even in the conference, why would we expect anything different from them towards a member that is 
an actual member of the conference. And yeah, it does generate probably the most, if not the second most revenue of teams that are actually in the conference. So, you know, I think the, I think the ACC was dealt a pretty bad hand, but I still think that they've found a way to kind of mismanage this. And at this point, I think it is just a a time delaying tactic until Florida state and Clemson finally get up out of here. So it's, Uh, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. (laughs) We do have a lot to talk about. So Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T. Wolf, W-O-L-F-E on Twitter. Um, I am currently working my way through rewatching the game. I think I I finished the first half, um, so I'm going to get to the second half later tonight and then ideally have the write-up ready for Tuesday, I'm hoping. Um, But I'll probably have to rewatch it at least least once more, maybe twice more to kind of fully flesh out my analysis thoughts. But uh, for tomorrow's episode, I think... Tomorrow's episode is going to be more about my kind of thoughts as a fan as opposed to an, an analyst uh, regarding the quarterback situation. All right. So we'll be back. You can follow me on Twitter at AJBlack247. You can follow Mitch at Mitchell T. Wolf and uh, follow all that work over at Eagle Insider. Thank you all so much, guys. I know it was a tough week- weekend, but we're hopefully here for some therapy with you. We'll talk about it again tomorrow here on Locked on BC. Take care, everyone. <laughs>